Hey, you're listening to the Bramley Baptist Church podcast. We're glad you're joining us to listen to this week's message. Whether you're starting your journey or looking to strengthen your walk with God, we believe that God will speak to you today. Let's get into the Word together. Well, when I was uh, in my early 20s, uh, I spent some time working as a, a fast food restaurant manager. And, uh, and one of the locations I worked at was actually known as the training store. This was the training location, which meant uh, that we were kind of like a, a flagship store for the whole corporation. And so they would, this, the company would send managers, they would send new hires, they would send others in the company uh, to come and see what we're doing here, see what the proper policies were, the procedures, really to see how a, a store, how they wanted a store to be ran properly. Um, in essence, our location was meant to serve as a model, as an example of how a, a well-functioning restaurant was supposed to run. And it was, it was a lot of pressure. Because you had people coming in and out all the time, checking over your shoulder, making sure every little policy and procedure was followed. And it was difficult because, well, well, anyone who's worked in some type of service industry knows that anything could go wrong on any given day at any moment. And you were just hoping and praying that that wouldn't be the day that they would walk into your store and, uh, and see everything going wrong. And I wondered, as I thought this week, is it possible for us to have an example like that? A model of, of what a, a healthy church should look like. And the problem for us is that, is that looking at other churches is, well, I mean, we all fall short at some point. There's no such thing as a perfect church. I mean, as long as churches are led and filled with fallen human beings, there's no perfect church. But I think it is possible to say that there are principles, that there are functions, even ministries that healthy churches have in common. And I think we need to look no further than our passage here this morning in Acts chapter 2. We look at Acts chapter 2 the very birth of the first church. And, and we find out, I mean, there isn't really any need for any revolutionary church growth strategies. I mean, if we're looking for a model of a, of a healthy church, all we need to do is open God's word and find the principles that he's laid out for us of what a healthy church is supposed to look like. At the end of Acts chapter 2, I'm convinced we find a model of what a, a healthy church looks like. And, and modern churches, uh, obviously we look a, a bit different in our day, uh, but any church that we would consider a healthy, functioning church, I'm convinced has the same principles as this church has in place at the beginning of Acts. So if you haven't already, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 2. Listen, this is what we are going to do uh, every week. We're going to open God's Word, and we're going to look at it together, walk right through it. So if you don't have your Bible this Sunday, uh, you know that you should bring your Bible next Sunday, because you're going you're gonna to need it. And I'm going to read our passage this morning, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 42. And I'm going to be as bold to ask you that we would stand in reverence to God's word this morning as it's read. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. 
says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. So what we are witnessing here is the birth of uh, the first church. Acts chapter 1 opens up with the resurrected Lord giving instruction to the apostles and his disciples. And he's telling them to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be empowered. You will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, indeed to the end of the earth. And Jesus ascends into heaven at the end of Acts chapter 1. And, and Acts chapter 2 opens up with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he comes with fire and with tongues of other languages. And the, but the, real, the greatest evidence that we know that the Holy Spirit has come is that God uses Peter, this sinful man who just weeks ago denied Christ. And he uses him to preach the first post-resurrection proclamation of the gospel. And we know the Holy Spirit has come because through the proclamation of this gospel, 3,000 people are empowered to respond to, to the message with faith. 3,000 people, we are told, repent of their sin, turn to God in faith, and are baptized. And the question is, well, well now What? Well, now you have 3,000 babes in Christ who need to learn what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like to be his witnesses, and so the church is born. And here's the first thing I think we should notice. Here's the first thing I noticed, I thought about as I, as I read this text. Uh, notice something, that, that we have the church, but they have no building. <laughs> the church is born... But the church doesn't have a place to meet. In fact, we, we find out later in Acts that the first church was actually granted a spot uh, to meet on what is called Solomon's portico, which basically was believed to be the porch of Solomon's original temple. And that would be large enough for them all to meet. But, but, but here's what that tells us. It tells us that the church is a people and not a place. The church is a people and not a place. And, and maybe that seems obvious to you. I mean, I hope that seems obvious to you. But I think there can sometimes be confusion because, I mean, think about even how we talk about church, right? We talk about going to church and fixing the church and building the church. And, and maybe after service, you talk with someone and they say, how was church today? So we talk about church as though it's a, a place or an event, but I think the first thing for you and I to realize together in, and remember is that we are the church. You, you are the church and, and I am the church. 
It's so important because what we find out is that the New Testament tells us that Jesus works in this world through his church. And so Jesus isn't working through a building, right? But he works through his people. In fact, the word for church in the original language, it's it's a word that's used of those who have been called out. Literally, the called out ones. So the church is a a congregation, a gathering of people who've been called out of the world, set apart for the purposes of the glory and witnesses of Christ. That's who we are. And if we reduce our understanding of church down to a building or an event, well, I mean, we miss the point. The church is a people and not a place. The question is, well, what is it that unites these people together? Like, like can we just get any old group of people together and that, that'll do? That's, that's the church? Well, that brings us to our first point. A healthy church is a church that is founded on the gospel. A healthy church is a church that is founded and built on the gospel. I mean, that's, that is what has brought these people together. It's, it's what makes them the church. They have all responded in faith to the message of the gospel. And that faith in the gospel, it unites them as one body in Christ. The church, this church, was founded on the gospel. I mean, we, we step back for just a moment and we, we peek at the message that, that Peter was preaching to them. And, and we look at what Peter is saying and Peter's just preaching the gospel to them. So we look at, for instance, just step back, uh, look at verses uh, 22 uh, to 24 of Acts chapter 2. He, Peter says this, he says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. I mean, amen and hallelujah. I mean, the message of the gospel, it it starts with this, that God sent his one and only son into this world And God, we know that it was his son because God did mighty works through him to prove, to to show to us indeed he was his son. But his son Jesus was sent here for a purpose. Do you see that? It says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. That is that God planned before the foundation of the world to provide a way for you and I to be forgiven and restored to a right relationship with him. Jesus is the Lamb of God before the foundation of the world who has come to take away the sin of the world. And notice he says, you crucified him. He was killed by the hands of lawless man, and yet it was God's plan. It was the sin of these people that that placed him on the cross, and yet God planned it to happen. And, And friends, listen, you and I might not have been there that day, but it indeed was our sin 
that drove him to the cross. And it was our sin that he took on on the cross. And it was for our sin that he paid for with his life for our forgiveness, laying his life down in our place so that we might know and have a relationship with God. And the good news is that he didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead. Jesus defeated sin and death on our behalf. And today you can know God. You can have a relationship with God by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. And we read the reaction of these men and women who make up this church in verse 37. It says this. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is what unites this group of people together. They have all responded in faith to the gospel message. They have all repented of their sin, turned to God in faith. They have been baptized, forgiven, and now the Holy Spirit of God lives within each and every one of them. And this is what makes them a church. This church was, was founded on the gospel and their faith in the gospel and the Holy Spirit living in them unites them as one body. And the good news is that this promise, it still stands today. Forgiveness of sin and restoration unto God is still available to those who ask this question, what must we do? My friend, the answer is, Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. Place your trust, your hope, your faith in his death and resurrection. And Christ's Holy Spirit will come and live within you. That same truth that united these first believers is the same truth that unites us here. We are not united because we share the same church worship space on Sunday morning. We're united by our faith in the gospel because we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. And the scary thing is this. The scary thing is that, listen, you can be a part of Bramley Baptist. You can be a part of BBC and yet still not be a part of the church of Christ. I mean, you, 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 you can come here every Sunday. You can come to every program, every event, and still not be a part of Christ's church. The question you need to ask yourself is, have I responded in faith to the gospel? The question isn't, do I have a relationship with Bramley Baptist Church? The question is, do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Healthy churches are churches that are founded on the gospel and built on the gospel. Healthy churches are gospel-soaked churches, churches that never grow tired of hearing the gospel and preaching the gospel and praying the gospel and sharing the gospel and singing the gospel. 
Healthy churches realize that we never outgrow our need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because listen, unbelievers will always need to hear the gospel in order to come to salvation. But even as believers, it it doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for 20 years or 20 days, you never outgrow your need for the gospel. Because we need to be reminded, even on those days when we think everything is going right, on those days when, when Jesus just seems so close to us and we're so close to Jesus, we need to be humbled by the gospel to remember that we are still in desperate need of the grace of Jesus Christ. And even on those low days, we need to be reminded when we fall and we fail on those dark days when Jesus seems so far away, hearing the gospel reminds us that no matter where we are, we are never too far to be out of the reach of the grace of the gospel. Healthy churches are churches that are founded and built on the gospel. But here's what else we see about this first church. We see that they were uh, devoted to sound teaching. They were devoted to the teaching of the word. I mean, that's the first thing we are told about this church in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Do you see that? Then the question, of course, is, well, well, what were the apostles' teaching? Well, no doubt they were teaching all that Jesus had taught them and all that they had heard him teach for the three years they were with him. But, but think about this, that there wasn't no New Testament yet. And so obviously they were using uh, the Old Testament, but they were using the Old Testament and using it the way that Jesus had showed them to use it. When Jesus told them that Moses and the law and the prophets and the Psalms all point towards Jesus. And as they were teaching about Jesus, they were and others were recording what they were saying and what they were teaching. And as the church grew, they began to write letters of teachings to other churches. And so this collection of writings that we have is what we know as the New Testament. So it isn't far-fetched at all to say that what made up the DNA of this church is that this was a church that was saturated in the teaching of the word. I mean, the key word that we see there is devoted. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That means teaching the word of God wasn't just something that was kind of sprinkled on top of their worship services or, or just, you know, something that they did um, tacked on at the end. No, they were devoted. They were focused. They were committed. They revered the word of God. In fact, some translations read that, that they were continually devoted. It communicates this, this ongoing, regular habit of devotion to God's word. I mean, this was the the heartbeat of everything uh, they did as a church. When they gathered, they gathered to hear the apostles teaching the word. And we get a bit of an image of what that looked like as well. I mean, notice what it says there in verse uh, 46. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in the homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. 
So we see kind of what happened. They would go to the temple every day, and at the temple, no doubt, they were continually devoted to teaching the word. And then what would they do? Well, they would break off into each other's homes where they would have a meal together. Uh, But again, over that meal, they'd be talking about God's word. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds a whole lot like small groups, doesn't it? See, maybe thought that the small groups or home Bible studies was something of the, the 20 and 21st century. Like, we came up with it. No. It's been the pattern of the church since the first century. The people would gather together in one large group at the temple for worship. They would devote themselves to the teaching of the word. And then they would break off into their homes where they would no doubt further discuss over a meal what they just heard the apostles teaching at the temple. It begs us to ask the question, what priority does teaching have in the life of our church, doesn't it? Like, like why do we gather here on Sunday morning? Is it so that we can enjoy some Christian entertainment for an hour and a half or so? Or when we gather here, we gather because we are a people that are hungry for God's word. And whether we gather here through the preaching and the teaching of the word, or whether we break off into groups, whether we're in our homes, whether we're having a gathering outside, the question is, is it a social club? Or are we gathering inside, out the church, or outside the church, around God's word? Because we know that's the only way that you and I can grow, is if we are devoted to the regular teaching of God's word. A healthy church is a church that is devoted to sound teaching, but don't worry. Teaching isn't the only thing that's happening when this church is meeting together. What's the next thing we see? It says, look at verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Fellowship. See, a healthy church is a church where fellowship happens. And we like that. We're like, yes, fellowship. I can get down with that. But let's define fellowship here. See, what most of our idea of fellowship is, we, we think of fellowship, we usually think of coffee and cookies, right? Who wouldn't be down for some coffee and cookies? Maybe some of you want tea and cookies. Okay, I get it. We think of fellowship, we think of a, maybe a brother or sister in the Lord saying, hey, let's, let's have you come over for dinner, let's go out for lunch and talk, and, 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 and that's part of it, but that's, that's surface level fellowship. Fellowship isn't about surface level conversation, no, fellowship is about going deep, isn't it? In fact, that word fellowship in the Greek, in the original language, whenever that word is used, it's used to describe partnership or sharing. In some cases, the word is actually used to express a a joint ownership. (laughs) When you put that together, we get this image of what fellowship is supposed to be like here at BBC, right? It communicates to us the idea that, that being in fellowship at this church is so much more than just showing up on Sunday morning. The idea is that you and I are in this together. We're, we're partners together in life and in ministry. And so just, just pause for a moment and think about that. 
Like, pause for a moment, look around the room, look at all the, the fellow believers that you have, and, and, and ask yourself, I mean, is that what you view is going on here in this church? Do you see yourself in partnership with the ministry and the work of this church? That you have a role to play, and I have a role to play, and both of our roles are vital to the life of this church. Listen, there are no spectators in the kingdom of God. Being a part of church is, is not a spectator sport. Church is not simply about coming here to have your spiritual and worship needs met. That's not why we exist. Church is about everyone partnering together, everyone having a role, everyone serving somewhere, everyone using their gifts for the building up of the body and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, isn't that what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4.10? He says this. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Each of us has been uniquely gifted by the Lord and called to use that gift to serve each other. I mean, that's drastically, drastically different than what we see going on in church culture today. Allie and I, we, we spent some time, as you know, looking for houses over these last few weeks in Brampton. And man, I got to tell you, it was cutthroat. Like it was, it was competitive and it was... It was exhausting, really, it was exhausting. Uh, but praise God, by his grace, as the tool shared with you, we did find a home uh, in Brampton, eight to 10 minutes away with no traffic. Praise the Lord, yeah. God provides. But I mean, you go to a house and, and we're asking questions like, does this house meet our needs? Like, we're really picky, right? Because we're like, you know, we're looking at some of them need a lot of work. Like, we got to gut the kitchen and we're like, oh man, I'm not in for that. And, you know, does it have enough rooms? Is it up to date? How much work is it going to take to make us comfortable? And I find, folks, I find that, I mean, that's how a lot of people do shopping, shopping for churches. We think of a church that is there to serve us, and we ask, does it meet all my needs? Does it sing the right kind of songs? Are the sermons engaging? What about the programs? Because we need all the right programs. And the consumerism of our culture, the Walmarts of our culture have shaped the way you and I view and do church. Listen, the church is not a place where I come to be served. The church is meant to be a place where you come to serve. And I get it. Like, I get it. Like, we are here to serve. That's why we have ministries and ministry leaders. I mean, we are here to serve. But the goal is partnership. It is sharing there's this mutual sharing of ministry that just as much as you come and you're being served, that you are finding ways to give of yourself and serve back. It's partnership in ministry, 
partnership in life as well. I mean, these church members were doing life together. I mean, we see that. In good times, sharing meals around the table in each other's homes, uh, but also in challenging times. I mean, that's the sense that we get when we look at verses 44 and 45, right? It says, and all who believed were together. That's, that's talking about the unity of the church. They had all things in common. And then it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There was unity in this fellowship, the unity that bonded them together in life, so much so that whenever those among them were struggling, they took on each other's burdens, and we said, hey, we got to help them make ends meet. It's why they're selling their goods. Why? Because there are those in need, brothers and sisters, who are struggling to put food on the table. There were brothers and sisters um, who, who couldn't pay their rent or debts they owed. And, and fellowship, true fellowship, is, is that if I have a way to help my brother or sister out, I have an obligation before the Lord to actually do it. It's why we have things like care ministries, isn't it? Because we recognize that sometimes, sometimes life gets hard. Sometimes life is, is difficult. And, and, and we as a church, we, we can't turn a, a blind eye while our brother and sister is struggling when there's a, a clear way that we can help them. A healthy church is, is where fellowship happens. But biblical fellowship, true fellowship, is, is more than just coffee and cookies after the service. True fellowship costs something. True fellowship is not about receiving. True fellowship is just as much is about giving. So we got the gospel. We've got devotion to sound teaching. We've got fellowship. Here's what else is going on in this church. Fourth, we have worship and prayer. I mean, a healthy church is a house of worship and prayer, a place where worship and prayer are happening, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, we are told, uh, and the fellowship, and then we see it to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. I mean, this was worship to them. Two parts, right? The breaking of the bread, which in this context, we can assume it was a reference to what we would call communion. Because remember what Luke records, uh, when, when Jesus instituted, the, 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 when he instituted communion, he took bread and, and what did he do? He broke it, right? And said, this is my body. And this was worship to them, which, which tells us that, that their worship was Christ-centered. It meant that when they came together to worship, they knew who the focus was on. It was not me and my feelings. Oh, we came here to worship Christ today. But notice it says to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, not, not prayer, but prayers, which meant that there was most likely a, a set of liturgical prayers that they repeated whenever they met, something like uh, what we would do with the Lord's Prayer. Notice there's, there's nothing about music, though. That doesn't mean they don't sing. In fact, I, I remember uh, reading in church history that, that at one point in Roman history, they, they sent out spies into the Christian churches. They said, let's, let's know what's going on in this Christian movement. And, and one of the things they reported back uh, to their commanders is these Christians sing song to Jesus as though he were a god. 
And I thought, I mean, that's a very astute observation. It tells us that while singing is a, a part of our worship, worship cannot be reduced to merely singing. Worship, singing, does not always equal worship, right? Worship is devotion and focus and heartfelt and Christ-exalting and word-proclaiming. It's focusing on, 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 on who is the audience of the worship, not me and you, but Christ himself. It tells us that, that part of our worship, at least, needs to be spending some time in prayer together. And listen, I'm, I'm grateful that, that prayer is uh, uh, important to this church. I, I tell you that, that uh, we know that many of you have been praying for, for us and our family, so, and we're so grateful for that, right? I know that many of you have been meeting weekly in, in, in gatherings, formal and informal. You've been praying, and I, wanna, I want you to know that we have just seen God's favor over this whole transition here. And, and the only way that we know that many of the things have happened and doors have opened is because people have been praying for us, and so we want thank you for that but that's the true evidence of a healthy church right when when God's when God is working in their midst when true worship and true prayer are happening God moves and God works I mean, isn't that what we see going on in this church here as we look at uh, verse 43 and it says, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, I know that there are varied opinions on signs and wonders. Whatever your opinion is, I think there's two things that we can agree on. Number one, you can't deny that the signs and wonders that were being done in the book of Acts are not the same things we see happening today. Like as I'm walking down the aisle, people aren't being healed from sicknesses. and It's not the same thing. There was a specific kind of signs and wonders that accompanied the first preaching of the gospel and the building of the church. But number two, you can't deny that God is still doing signs and wonders amongst his people today. Like God is still doing miraculous works. Every sinner that repents and turns their life over to Jesus is a work of his miraculous power. I mean, I'm sure if we were to just take some time and put a mic right there, and I promise you we're not going to, but we just put a mic there and just allowed people to come and just kind of share some of the stories. I mean, we would hear about God delivering you from, from anger and lust and drug addiction and alcohol addiction and porn addiction, how he delivered some of you from a life of poverty or moral degradation. We would hear wondrous stories of God's miraculous deliverance. And we would hear how God is still working miracles, right? Testimony of God's healing broken marriages of people who are facing terminal illness and God miraculously healing them. We would hear stories of wayward children coming back to the Lord, of God miraculously meeting financial needs where the, the money coming in doesn't match the amount that needs to be going out, but somehow it all came together. we would see that God is still alive and active and working signs and wonders in the life of his people and in the midst of his church. 
And this, my friend, is an image, a picture of the Lord working in a healthy church. And yet all of that is all about what's going on inside the church. What about what's going on outside the church? See, the measure of a healthy church isn't just about what happens when the church gathers together. The the, the measure of a healthy church is the impact that church is having on the world around them. And that brings us to our final piece here, right? The outward focus. See, a healthy church is a church that is outward focused. A healthy church is a church that has a a missional mindset. I like that better. I should have did that one. Missional mindset. Notice how this chapter ends there in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, I've said uh, over and over several times that, that, that what excites me about joining BBC is the, the missional focus that this church has. I'm so excited about this church's uh, global missions. I mean, I love that. I love that we're not only a, a church that wants to support uh, uh, global missionaries, but we actually want to be the ones sending missionaries out. That's so awesome. And I love the focus that it's not just about global, but local missions. I'm excited about Knightsbridge. I'm excited about Kins Club, excited about Food Bank, excited about the, the carnival coming up. I mean, this church has a missional mindset. And with all of that, there, there's still a, a danger for you and I, a danger for each one of us. And, and here's what it is. The danger is, is that you and I as individuals can begin to think that, that outreach, well, well, that's the church's job. I mean, I can sit here in my comfortable home, go to my comfortable job, and well, let the professionals do the outreach. Yet having a missional mindset and an outward focus isn't just something the church does. It's what each individual follower of Jesus does. In fact, that was the greatest way that this church was growing. I mean, notice it says they were having favor with, notice, all the people. Not all peoples in general together, all the peoples. Meaning it was all the individuals around them. So the members of this church, we get the picture, they were gathering together, but then they would go home and they would talk to their neighbor about Jesus and tell them about this Jesus that they had just met and this church that they're a part of and how it's changing their life. And they would go to their jobs and they would share with their coworkers. They would talk to their families and say, come and see what the Lord is doing and has done in amongst his people. Come and meet Jesus. And that's the way they make the greatest impact. Church-led outreach is, is great, and it's so important. But it will never replace the impact of relational one-on-one evangelism. One-on-one, building relationships with people and telling them one-on-one about what Jesus has done and will do for them. I can't tell you, folks, how excited I am about being a part of this church, 
how excited I am to get started working and, and working with you and working towards building a, a healthy church. I thought it would just be good for us to just take a, a moment here and talk about what, what all that looks like. I mean, let's be clear. There, there is no perfect church. Not until the Lord Jesus returns. But this gives us something that we are striving for. Amen? It gives us a, a model of what a, a healthy church likes. What, what we want to see. I mean, we, we want to see a church that is gospel-soaked and gospel-focused. We're, we're striving to be a church that is devoted to sound biblical teaching, that is centered around everything that we do. We want to be a church where true, genuine, authentic fellowship is happening, when it's so much more than gathering on Sundays, but we're partnering in ministry and striving together. We want to be a church where worship and prayer is happening in spirit and in truth. And a church where each individual has a, a missional mindset and an outward focus. And I'm convinced that this is the church that God will use. The church that God will bless. Thanks for listening and making us a part of your walk. We encourage you to take today's teachings and apply it to your life. Challenge not only yourself, but those around you. Our support in your journey does not end here. To hear more messages from all our series or to speak to someone to help grow your faith, visit us at branley.org.